Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your instigator in saying, fuck being fine. This show is for those of you who are done living with the dumpster fire and are ready to find the tools and courage to transform, to step into more success and fulfillment in both your personal and business life. You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Today, I am chatting with Christina Robinson-Race about how her traumatic childhood in a tight-lipped evangelical Christian household filled with secrets, abuse, and conditional love affected the way she raised her children. We talk about surrounding yourself with the kind of people you'd like to become, managing your professional reputation, and always finding the silver lining. Plus, Christina shares a bit about how much her mom loves shopping at Target. Christina passionately believes in living a life of kindness and grace. She describes herself as a mom, wife, and salesperson, and notes being a salesperson is both a description of her career and her personality. After living in five different states, she calls the mountains of North Carolina her happy place. In addition to traveling and cooking, Christina's obsessed with plants and indoor gardening after managing to keep a plant alive for more than a year in 2021. She had strong motivation because it came from her biological father, whom she finally found two and a half years ago, thanks to a common home DNA test. Are you enjoying this show? Please tell three other people about it. Let's get these stories in front of more people who can benefit from hearing them so they can know they're not alone and there's nothing wrong with them. And so they too can realize it's possible to say fuck being fine. It's about building connection and community. We need that now more than ever. If after listening to this, you would like some more personal attention on adding peace and gratitude and groundedness to your life, I can help you with that. Pop over to the zenrabbit.com webpage and sign up for my VIP list. That way you'll be the first to get all the tools and tips on finding calm amidst the chaos of life. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Christina Robinson-Race. Welcome to the show, Christina. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you. Let's jump right in and go to the first question, which is, what were the the beliefs and the values that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you've become? Oh, this is a hard one. I was actually raised with a completely different set of beliefs and values than what I became. They definitely formed who I am. I was raised in a very right-wing evangelical Christian home where everything was perfect on the outside and everything was horrible on the inside. I had a traumatic childhood And that led me to know what I wanted to be as a person, the beliefs that I saw that I didn't agree with, how I felt things should be. Um, It was a real struggle inside of my head, like, am I wrong? Is there something wrong here? 
And it also gave me purpose for what kind of mom I wanted to be, that I didn't, I wanted to have a better relationship with my kids. And it's helped me see that, you know, everything doesn't have to be perfect. (laughs) You can be authentic. And it's made me want to be my authentic self because I don't want to live in a world of hypocrisy. Did you take anything from that that was, or is it just, if that's what we were doing there, I'm completely doing the opposite? It was pretty much, I'm completely doing the opposite. My grandfather was one of the biggest influences on my life and actually probably the biggest influence on my life. And he had a huge sense of family and and loyalty. And, you know, he just loved being around family and everything. And that I knew I wanted to keep, you know, that sense of family, the sense of tradition. I grew up in a household where they wanted to do, and they still deal without us. All of their holidays are just tiny. They don't want to have anybody else in their bubble. And so I prefer to do everything big. Like my grandfather, like, I just want to like welcome everybody. in. I want to do, be nice to everybody. Everybody is my family. As soon as I meet them, I want to take care of them and help them. And I just have no walls, I guess, that I'm not not religious. I, I just am not the same degree that my parents were. But I do believe that I I think this is how Jesus actually would act. And I think this is how God would do things. And I see it as love and hope and, and joy, not all of the doom and gloom of evangelicism. So that's kind of what I took with me. Like, this is what I believe, and I want to pass this on to my kids. And grace. Grace has been a word that's in my head for my entire life, and that's what's been my driving factor. I have it on a stone on my desk, and that's just, it's always there. I love that. Like at what point, I'm so curious, in your childhood or early adulthood, did you consciously say, I want something different? I knew I wanted something different. I grew up in a house with my mom and my stepfather. I didn't know my real father at the time. And he was very abusive and she ignored it all and would go to bed for days. And then I was sexually abused by a neighbor. And I didn't tell her right away, but I did tell her when I was 15. And she looked at me and said she couldn't deal with it. And so we didn't. And right then I knew that that wasn't the mom I was going to be. I was going to have an open relationship. I got in trouble when I was 10. We were at a Burger King drive-thru and I still remember it to this day. I said, that boy's hot. And I was grounded for that. And I never wanted my kids to feel that way because I couldn't talk to them. Hmm. And especially couldn't talk to them after I told them something monumentally huge and traumatic for me, um, in addition to the abuse I was living with. And I always, my parents had lied, or my mom and my stepfather had lied about him being my real father until I was in my 20s. And she wrapped it up and she wrote it out on a piece of paper, the share, give you the truth, gave it to me and I as a Christmas gift wrapped up. And that's how I found out. But I had always known because they had always referred to this great sin and it was always however old I was. And then I found some other things that had shown they lied. So I had grew up with real trust issues too. So I wanted my children to have this world where they trusted people and they could be themselves, even if they didn't agree with me. And so we had a thing in our household called immunity. And so if you came to me and or my husband and you told us what really happened, if you did something or whatever, we could talk it through and make it a learning moment, then you were not grounded. And it, But if I found out about it later, you would be in trouble. And I don't know that my kids were ever actually grounded for anything. And so they've always been open, um, almost too open. My oldest isn't as open, but my middle and my youngest will call me, I mean, from college and tell me everything about who they're dating and their problems that they have. And it's, it's amazing. I, I love that. That is so impressive that you were able to take your experience and turn it around so much. Right. 
and and create exactly what you wanted. Yeah, it was my not to do list, basically. So like Mm -hmm. you see something being done. And you just decide that's not going to be me. Also, I had done a lot of studying and reading, trying to heal myself from my trauma since it wasn't given to me. And I knew that the trauma and abuse can either, it either makes you to continue the cycle or you are, you break, you choose to break the cycle. And I chose to break the cycle. That was not something I ever wanted my children to have to go through. And I also didn't want them to have to be somebody else for me. And, you know, my mom goes through a periods where she just ghosts you and doesn't talk to you for months at a time because she's mad. And I recently, uh, this week, put my foot down about that and said, you know, I, I'm, I'm off this roller coaster. This is the last part I needed to break. And, and I'm off the roller coaster. I can't do this. That's what you need to do. As hard as I can only imagine how hard that would be to do, it's what you have to do to protect yourself. Yeah. And my children, I don't want them to see that as a model, that it's okay to ghost your child and to to treat your child this way. I have a sibling that is her was raised to be her best friend. She was homeschooled all through life. And she always played us off of each other. And they are thick as thieves. They live next door to each other. And they prefer just for that to be their immediate family. Mm-hmm. Um, they she cannot, ex- everything that I do, all of my beliefs are somehow a personal rebuke of her. And it says that I, everything's about her. She's very much an but it's about her how much she you know if I had pain she will cry that she regrets what happened to me well and how she handled it well I was trying to talk about my pain like you know Mm -hmm. or if I you know I'm not going to be a Republican. That doesn't mean that I hate you. Um, And she's coming to my house. My children will never forget. She came into my house when they were in middle school and she was visiting. And you know that song, Stacy's Mom? Yes. I cannot sing, so I'm not going to. I don't want to freak anybody out. Okay. That was on the radio and my kids were singing on it to it because it's really catchy, right? Yes. And she proceeded to scream at me for, I don't know, an hour about how I was a horrible mom. And my kids were going to hell, and I was allowing that by letting them and using that song as an example of my just completely lack, complete lack of values and ability to be a mom. And they overheard that. And, you know, they have a very guarded relationship with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad they have a relationship because they should have a grandmother. And in all honesty, she's a much better grandmother than she has ever been a mom. And so I just, I can't let them think that that's okay. Yeah. You mentioned working on yourself mm-hmm. and working through the trauma. What were some of the tools that you used? I did a lot of therapy and I read a lot of books. I, mm. I read books on to teach myself everything um, before, I guess, YouTube. And now it's like in YouTube <laughs> something. But, um, you know, I really worked on that. And I surrounded myself with the kind of people that I wanted to be. And I wanted that energy. So I've been really, really grateful to have friends that are closer than, than you know, my sibling is to me. And so that has been you know, a tremendous value to me is to be surrounded by this village of amazing women. And I've always been, I made sure I was surrounded by a village of amazing women, some men, but mainly women who would understand and who would know what I've gone through. And I've always been open about it. I don't hide it. I'm never going to hide my abuse and my traumatic childhood. Um, I never hid it from my children, my husband, my friends. I'll tell, I'll stand on the a stage and you know the Super Bowl and tell everybody because that is me and that's what made me me. And if you hide stuff like that, then you're just doing what I grew up with. Exactly right. The what you resist persists. Right. Right. And exactly. When you can bring that darkness out into the open, then it ceases to have power over you. Right. 
exactly. And so it doesn't. Um, it made me resilient. It made me, you know, more empathetic. I will cry. Uh, we saw Scream with my, the new Scream with my daughter a couple weeks ago at college. No, thank you. I <laughs> cried through part of Scream. I mean, I will cry through any movie. It's my youngest son's favorite thing to do is to watch TV with me or a movie and then check me 50 times to see if I'm crying because the slightest emotion will bring me, like, I'm like way too empathetic. And I've even, I've researched that and that's, I guess, a normal thing of a traumatic childhood is that high level of empathy empathy. So yeah, like I just embrace those things. I don't try to be shut out. And yeah, maybe I'll be a little too much oversharing, but I'd rather do that than ever um, try to be something I'm not or pretend that my life is going okay or fine when Mm -hmm. it's not fine. I just can't do that. A lot of people can't do it. They can do it for a certain amount of time and then it catches up with them, right? Right. So yeah. Right. So, okay. So when we talked before, On our original call, we were talking about situations that you faced in your career. And so now I'm seeing more of a whole picture, <laughs> knowing where you came from to how, you, um, how you've managed or what you're concerned about in your career right. or what you have been concerned about. Because right. one of the things that you mentioned was reputation is everything. Right. And how important that was to you. So tell me a little bit about wh- how you've um, managed to managed to manage your right. reputation right. as a professional. I think doing what's often considered unprofessional, being human, being honest and truthful, um, not hiding myself. Um, it was only until the last couple of years that I've actually let more of my social feelings come into my political world, but that's because it's important for me to be surrounded by people even professionally that way. Mm -hmm. But also being an authentic person with my clients, I'm very honest. I'm open. If something goes wrong, I'm going to tell you what's wrong and I'm going to help you solve it and tell you what we're going to do to make it better. I'm never going to say that everything's going to be okay. If If I'm working, and I have worked previously at companies where the development wasn't there or there were internal problems with departments and everything was failing and going wrong. And it's not me to be able to go to that client and pretend that it is because every job that I've gotten has been based on my reputation. They've known me from somewhere else and they've known my work since I was you know, 25. So I um, am not willing to risk that. And so it, it always leads to uh, greater things. And so I can't compromise that, but it also like LinkedIn, I'm very aware of what I share and what kinds of things I post because I want people to be able to get a reflection of who I really am. Mm-hmm. Because if it's an employee, a potential employer and they're looking at that, I want them to know that I'm a relationship person. I'm going to make these relationships with clients. I believe in this and that and want me for me. I don't mm-hmm. want to form to what a company wants because then you are just saying you're fine and you never are. It seems like it's changing more now than mm-hmm. it has ever before that it's okay. And maybe this has to do with pandemic or maybe this right. was already coming and pandemic hastened its arrival of bringing your whole self to work because right. you really cannot stuff a piece of you into a box while you're at work and then take it out later. Right. And it's not healthy. Right. It's not healthy and it's not going to help your business because you don't want people that don't share your values working for you um, or representing your product. And they're not going to be able to get along with your client base. And so I don't need you to buy 
into the product I'm selling as much as I need you to buy into me. I need mm-hmm. you to trust me and to build um, that kind of long-term relationship. Because then when I come to you and I say something's not working, or I come with you with a, a, another product to buy, or you introduce me because you trust me to another person at another company or in another department, you're not going to do that. Even if it was the best product in the world, you are not going to um, recommend it and you know be a cheerleader and a champion for it if you don't like and trust the salesperson. And I've been in situations where I've seen that happen, where clients are like, I, I don't trust you at all. Please, you know, don't. I've been on call. I was on a company before where I had a supervisor. They would not let on a client call because that client was so turned off by that person's integrity. And it was the same product. It was just the integrity of that person. Yeah. And it comes down to the fact that people want to do business with other people, humans. Right. Exactly. Humans. You know? let, yeah, me ex- see, let me see your humanity. Right. And that's what makes a connection. So, you know, we talk a lot about how connected everybody is in our mm-hmm. world. You know, we're all connected on social media. You and right. I met through LinkedIn. We're connected, but we're not really connected at a heart level right, until right. we have conversations like this, until we have, until you can share right. your humanity. Exactly. And it makes you more approachable too. If I was, everything was super, just my product, my product, my product online, nobody would ever approach me. It'd be like, yep, that's, that's all they are. That's, that's that one person. Um, there's no, um, there's not, they're not three-dimensional. They're not, you know, more than that. That's not something I want to pick up their call and, and deal with, especially if I'm having a long day. But if I know that that person's going to be kind of energizing to talk to that I'm going to like, it's going to feed my day in a positive way, then I'm not going to ditch that call. <laughs> I'm going to take it. And so it's allowed me, I mean, I have great relationships where, you know, my previous places I've worked with coworkers and, and people above me, and it's really kind of helped drive that. You just mentioned about the energy. One of the things that we also talked about that I, I'm suspecting feeds your energy level uh-huh. is your belief about gratitude. Yes, it is. It's my met- form of meditation. It is when I wake up in the morning and I look at my day and, and stuff, I'm, I'm grateful to be there. I'm grateful for this. But every night before I go to bed, I guess like once a lot of people would pray before they go to bed, I do a, I'm grateful for these things in my life. Um, kind of monologue in my head. And that keeps me centered. Like I am never, um, I think we talked about this too. I'm married to someone who doesn't have as bright of an ass, uh, bright of as an outlook on life. And we were actually in marriage counseling for a while. And he told the therapist that the fact that I'm able to just be okay in every moment and I'm happy and content in every moment and that I always think that things are going to work out really bothers him because he thought that that was like no grounding in reality. But in reality, I know that things can get a whole lot worse and I am grateful for the life I have. I'm grateful that I gave my kids, you know, this great education up to college, that I'm sending them to college, that they have this family that they um, can turn to. And I was even grateful for the pandemic because I had teenagers that I had college kids and boarding high schools and we all got to come home mm-hmm. and they were forced to spend five months with me during a time when most of the time you don't get that time with your college kid. And so to me, that was the best thing of the pandemic was just that I got to be and have those extra times. So I always see a positive to things. And it's not that I don't have the reality. I know that there's bad out there. I I know. But I also think that we are so grateful. And I am so grateful. And we are so immensely, I don't like the word blessed because I don't like it to seem like something's been, you know, like 
handed down to you or whatever, because I know that that has, I'm not any different and I'm not any more deserving of the life that I have than anybody else. It comes back down to really making a choice, right? Mm -hmm. A choice about how you choose to see life when we look for things to be critical of or complain about, we will find them. If we look for things to be grateful for, we'll find those too. And Exactly. It's so interesting about, well, I was going to say about your husband's um, viewpoint, because I've gotten that too. Right. Like, <laughs> you look at life through rose-colored glasses. Right. I see what's happening. I just choose to put a more positive spin on it. Right. And that's not negating when I feel angry or sad or upset. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I'd rather live in a world where it's, there is gratitude and happiness and joy. Right. And that you're doing what you can. I, the world is, and I'm sure you as an empathetic person as well, the world can be deeply painful. You know, just reading the news can be, it can be horribly painful, but I don't look at it as, oh my God, the world's ending. This is horrible. This horrible thing happened. What can I do? How can I contribute to this? What can I do to make it better? Can I, you know, post encouraging things online? Can I volunteer my time here? Can I donate to this cause? Penzi Spices did a thing the other uh, recently where they held a Republicans are racist sale and pissed off half of their clientele. And I turned around that night and ordered $158 worth of spices because I felt that's something I could do. They were really, they've been really big on Black Lives Matters, which is a personal thing for me in my life. And so I bought a bunch of spices from them that day. It doesn't mean that I don't respect Republicans, that I don't work with Republicans. I love them, but I'm also going to spend my money where my where my heart and my my conscience is. I do love Penzi Spices. <laughs> However, that campaign uh, bothered me. Did it? It did because I felt like it was promoting the thing that they right. don't stand for, like promoting division, right. which is not normally what they stand for. And so that, but that particular campaign stood out to me because I was like, oh, I don't like it. I do like what they stand for right. overall. My take on that was we need a couple more companies standing up and saying what people are thinking now. And it's not all Republicans are racist. My biological father is a Republican and his family, my, you know, aunt and people are, and my other side, like I have a lot of family that are Republican, but they are good people. But it's bringing out the worst, like the brand, I think Republican has been tarnished really badly in the world right now. And so I took that as a, you know, somebody's got to kind of say to kind of counteract the, the people melting down over candy changing um, styles and, and stuff like that. Like a company's got to stand up and say enough and to put their values. And it wasn't even as much as what they were saying, but they were willing to risk customers for what they believed. And so um, that kind of resonated with me that they were you know, willing to put it all out there. Yeah. I respect, I respect companies that do that, mm-hmm. um, that take a stand. And I mean, not from a marketing background, right. which is where I come from, that's, great marketing because you're clearly stating these are the people I want to work with and these are the people you're you're attracting and repelling. Right. Attracting the ones you want, repelling the ones you don't want, and that's good marketing. Right. Exactly. And so I have a family side that we've talked to the, my mom, you know, I mean, she'll go and Target. I don't know how many times she's been to Target and tell them she's never shopping there again because of whatever <laughs> thing they've done. But then she goes back to it. So, I mean, and you don't have to go there in person and tell Target manager that you're never going to shop there again. They don't care. 
They so, <laughs> like, I, so it's not, I don't I believe in the whole cancel culture either. I don't necessarily, you know, there are some companies, like, I still eat Chick-fil-A sometimes, um, never eat their gluten-free bun, but I do eat Chick-fil-A, you know what I mean? So, I mean, <laughs> there are things that I, I do, but it's, it's where you put most of your attention. So, anyway, sorry to get off on that tangent. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, um, it's interesting because you just said it's, it is about bringing it back to it's about where you put your attention. It, and doing something. I think that changes your outlook on life too. When you're actually doing, you're proactively. I volunteered for a campaign in Tennessee a couple of years ago for Congress. And because I, it, the person that was running and who eventually won was really bothered me. And so I volunteered for a campaign and I was getting out there doing something. So even as much in 2018 as I didn't agree with the political environment, I was happy because I was doing something to try to change it. So, I mean, that didn't change it. He didn't win, um, but he did go on then to start a whole social media and, um, you know, thing of highlighting what goes on in Tennessee to other people. So it branched out from there. So, and so doing something, if you see a friend who's down, I love sending uh, emails or there's an app you can send, you know, little gifts to or from. So sending something to make people feel better and, and taking control of your life. And I really think that that is the difference between people who look at the world negatively and people who look at it positively is, do you feel in control? And how do you get that control? Yes. You know, that's such a great point because control is often looked at as something negative. Right. Like they're controlling me, like they, right. I don't know who they are, but the, you know. Yes. Um, and your point about taking action, whatever action you can take, because so many people will sit on the couch screaming at the TV right. and being and walking around being angry all the time, which is not good for your physical, mental, psychological health in any way. Right. But what are you doing about it? Exactly. And even if it is something as, let's say, as small, but I, I don't want to make, small is not insignificant. Right. Something as small as reaching out to a friend that came through your mind and saying, hey, everything good? I haven't heard from you in a while. Hope you're, hope you're okay. Right. I'm here for you. Like that could be an enormous gesture to the person who's receiving it. And it's just a, a small, I'm using air quotes, small thing. And it is. And it's letting things go easily too. Mm. I don't take things really personally and I let them go. I have a candle that I actually sent to a client too on my desk, but it is my last fuck. Oh, look, it's on fire. Um, and so <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Oh, this thing was hard to get. It was sold out on, it was an Instagram thing and I saw it and then it was sold out on Etsy forever, but I finally got a couple. So I sent one to a client and when I'm having a day and I just went to like scream, I'll light that and just lighting that candle. It's like letting myself go. Like there's my last fuck. I don't care. And move on. Like, I'm not going to hold something um, forever. <laughs> I will, you know, you could be, you could totally screw me over yesterday and I'm going to be weary of you, but I don't have time to have any kind of grudges against you because that's going to put a lot of negative in my life that I don't need. Yeah. Life is too short. I love that candle. Now I got to go, <laughs> I got to go find it. Cause you know, my, my coaching program and my program that I bring into companies is called fuck being fine. So, uh, it, it ties in really well. Like I got nothing else to give here. <laughs> exactly. And it's so therapeutic to light it. And that can be like your official letting go. You know, like it, they, people will yes. do those things where they write things down and burn them. This is kind of like that, but a lot easier. Ceremonial yep. and powerful because it's that gesture yep. of, uh, again, it comes back to 
taking action. Mm -hmm. It's a small action. You're lighting a candle and it's so symbolic. Right. Right. And I don't think that, I don't pretend to think that I like drive my entire, you know, future and and, like everything I do. But I I believe like I, um, I watched, rewatched The Secret this weekend, which I love because, and it is, the more you put out and that's positive, the more you're going to get back to you that is positive. And it's just a giant like hamster wheel. It just keeps growing and growing and going and going. And so those are what, that's how I can control and make my life positive by putting out positive. And then it helps me, it protects me from seeing so much negative if I'm, Mm -hmm. I don't have time for that. And I don't, I feel like there's, I can help something, everything in a little way. And in, mm-hmm. in big ways, we, you know, I, I volunteered as a foster advocate, um, ACASA for years, and I ended up getting guardianship recently of the first case I had because he needed me and, mm-hmm. and he needed what we could provide as guardians. And so those things, like, I don't believe that and holding myself back, you know what I mean? Like being reserved as far as emotions and, and feelings. Um, I don't have time to censor that and, and play the game of how much am I doing too much? Am I, you know, I don't want to like show too much of myself or whatever. Like you either really like me or you really don't like me. And this is what you're getting. I love that you are so open and such a, a big personality <laughs> That in a good way. Right, I'm right. not saying that in any negative way. I'm saying, um, and it maybe not big personality. It's um, it's being so open with who you are right. and putting it out there in a big way. Right. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. something that my husband and I were talking to my 22 year old about this week. I really wish that we had been able to be that aware of what we know in our 40s. Like if we could just get, I mean, because I really, I think that I see so many of my uh, female friends that we, you know, we're all in the same position in life, you know, like some of them have young kids now even. Um, So it's not Mm -hmm. like where you are in motherhood or where you are in your career, you know, the stay-at-home moms to professional women, but you just get to this point where you realize that you're the only person you can be and to um, stop trying to be somebody else and stop trying to please people because we're the center of our own movie. And so we're very much about us, but other people just don't care. They don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they care, right. but you know, they're not as hyper-focused on you as you seem to think they are. They, yeah, they care, but not nearly as much right. as you think they do. Right. And that comes with, I, I believe that really only comes with age and experience of living life and growing into yourself. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And um, I see a lot of people who don't reach that in their lifetime. And those are the yeah. ones who become bitter and, and, and sad and I don't know, hostile. Like you can tell people just by yeah. like their, how they stand and how they talk to people. I try to like, every time I get on a flight, which I fly a lot, I try to compliment the flight attendant on something, nail polish color, a guy's haircut, anything like that, because I know that they're having, they have a really hard job. And I want to do something from right off the bat to like make this fight better for them. You know, so maybe they can take that with them the whole time. Um, it's my trade show approach. As people walk by, I find something about, you can find something genuine. Don't do it as a dumb bullshit people because they'll see it, but find something sure. genuine to compliment people about. And that's going to bring them in and have them talking to you um, and bring you the success in life too, professionally. That comes all full circle on what we've been talking about of, of being authentic and sharing gratitude. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just, I am so, so grateful for the life that I have. Um, It's not what I envisioned. I was originally, you know, I started in my industry because I took my son to preschool or for to daycare for the first time and decided I could not do that again. That was way too hard on me. I wanted to, um, you know, be home with him all the time as my first child. And um, then I, well, I happened into a position that became you know, a full-time position. And like, I, it was a pioneer in the, the remote working back then. I, you know, I keep telling people, I'm so grateful everybody else caught up with me during the pandemic mm. for where I am mm-hmm. in my life. But I was able to grow that as a full career. And, um, you know, I kept up with my husband's career, even though I was also juggling being a mom and, you know, having a career and doing all the things. And I, you know, I've done my fair share of bitching about doing all the things, but I am incredibly grateful that I've had that opportunity. Well, I have so much enjoyed talking to you. Before we go, uh-huh. tell me your hype song, because you seem pretty high energy to start with. <laughs> yes. But when you need an extra boost, what's the song you go to? My song is um, Whatever It Takes by Imagine Dragons. And that will give you all of the energy. And, um, you know, the lyrics are in, like, it's in the title, Whatever It Takes. And not in a bad way, not in a, I'm going to stomp all over people to get to the top, but like, I'm going to give 100% of myself, no matter how much I have to give to get where I want to go, personally and professionally. Awesome. I will put a link to that song in the show notes. (laughs) Thank you. And if people have enjoyed our conversation and they want to, find out more, want to connect Uh with you, where's the best place to do that? Um, I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook. So either one of those, you can reach out to me and it's, I'm one of the, I think only Christina Robinson races out there. So it's not like I have a name that everybody's going to have. And uh, so you can do that. Um, I can also give you my Gmail account because it's not a hidden thing and I have no problem with people reaching out, but it's chrisrace at gmail.com. Okay. Fantastic. We'll put a a link to that as well okay, in the show notes. All the good stuff in the show notes. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for joining me and today, Thank Christina, you for asking on... me. This has been so much fun. Cool. We'll see you next time you. on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Bye-bye. Time now for the key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, you have a choice when it comes to trauma and abuse. You can choose to continue the cycle or break the cycle. Christina chose the latter because she didn't want her children to go through what she did. Number two, when you want to be amazing, surround yourself with amazing people. This is something you can consciously do. We talked about this concept in Angela Lockridge's and Michelle Burns' episodes. You may have heard the Jim Rohn quote that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Your way of thinking, your self-esteem, and your decisions are all greatly influenced by your environment. Number three, gratitude and positivity go together. When you take a positive attitude and find gratitude for what comes into your life, it becomes a joyful circle. Expect and know that things are going to work out because they always do. Some people will criticize this philosophy and say it's not grounded in reality. But taking a positive approach to life doesn't mean you're not seeing things that aren't going well. You're simply not dwelling on them. You have control over how you choose to see the world. Number four, there's no time for holding grudges. Let it go and move on. You may certainly want to be wary of people who didn't treat you well and At the same time, you can let go of the anger and the resentment because you don't need that kind of negativity in your mind or your body. 
I love Christina's My Last Fuck Candle. She said she got it on Etsy. I did a search and there are a bunch of vendors selling them there. You can find a link in the show notes. And number five, only you can be you. You are the center of your own movie. Stop living in the shadow of or at the mercy of someone else. The people you're working so hard to please are never going to care about you as much as you need to care about you. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend or a colleague. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other people like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. You can join me on social too. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. Lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. And if no one's told you this week, I'm proud of you. Take good care.